Right. Hi, Robert. Another, Morning, Iran. Another riff on ingenuism. And um, we thought today we'd talk about uh, an area where potentially ingenuism is being applied on large scale. Certainly, it seems that way. And that is the whole area of, um, of crypto, uh, which is which is pretty a pretty broad um, uh, kind of broad industry industry categorization, I guess, for a lot of different things. But maybe let's just start at the basics. Uh, what is crypto, and where did it kind of how did it where did it come from? I, I think it came from kind of the Bitcoin uh, started with Bitcoin, but but what what is it? Well, uh, so, you know, crypto is short for cryptography, and that's something that has sort of been lost in the wild froth of the, the coin markets. But uh, crypto is a digital token or, or currency, if you make it a cryptocurrency, but that is uh, secured by cryptography. And that's basically it. So it's a, a very foundational idea that then could be applied using different technologies and mostly it's using blockchain there have been other technologies that have been proposed but none of them have caught on like uh, blockchain uh, and then used for any purpose and the main purpose has been to to create things that can be um, traded and speculated on uh, which is all a lot of fun, and it's very much aligned with you know what we've seen over the last couple of years, where people want to trade uh, GameStop, and they don't care what the price is, and they want to be uh, owners of a particular type of NFT, and it, it gives them you know satisfaction and value um, outside of what we would normally think of as as economic value, uh, and so when we talk about crypto, you know we can talk about it either. <laughs> The craziness in the cryptocurrency markets at one extreme to the applications of crypto in general or um, the in, in finance to the applications of crypto more broadly and of course i'm more interested in the the earlier topics because they're sexier more fun and more aligned with what we know something about yeah it's it's good to remind people it's about cryptography because i mean the, the cryptography has been around for a long time obviously go, goes back to world war ii and beyond even that way back but it's um uh and and part of the idea is that cryptography allows for security and privacy and potentially anonymity and that's part of the original attraction of crypto is the promises to allow us all to interact uh anonymously which creates which makes it attractive for certain types of markets uh, anonymously without the ability to track and, but securely, which is hard, right? It's hard to combine anonymity with security, although cash does a pretty good job of doing that. Uh, but, but any other form electronically and historically, you could trace back credit card. We know exactly who you are. And, and part of the promise of crypto was that, but, but let me, let, let's step one step back because the crypto craze started with Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin is is a strange uh, is strange in that it's it's wrapped up in an ideology right there, there there's certainly there's certain uh uh idea about about bitcoin that it will replace currency that it is true money that it is going to replace all money in the economy that's what the what you've called in another essay we've done the evangelists really that's kind of the story they push is 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 bitcoin as money and i think that's part of what uh, what's his name? Satoshi, in his original document, when he 
you know, uh, developed blockchain and, and kind of uh, made it public, um, articulated Bitcoin as a solution to the problems of central banking. So what do you think about it as potentially money, as an experiment in money? Um, it, 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 is that enough for Bitcoin to have value? It's the, 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 the claim that it could be a good money? Well, you know, it's interesting because Bitcoin, you know, languished for a long time. Um, it, it didn't catch on. It was interesting to a very small niche of people. And at that time, I thought of it as, you know, a really interesting demonstration project because the idea is fascinating, you know, having something that is predetermined, it's deterministic. It's not like if, if uh, you were just to say, okay, I'm going to have your own coin and I'm going to issue your own coin whenever I need some money. And that, that tends to break down and, and there have been challenges to private money, to public money, to anytime that there is money, there's the, and this goes back, you know, millennium. Yep. There's, there's an incentive to debase it, to, yeah, you know, shave the coins to, and not even just by the issuers, but by the holders. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a really uh, interesting case for how you might solve that issue by making everything predetermined and setting up the incentives in a way that that potentially could work. Uh, you know, I always thought it was it was going to be challenging to, to for the long run of Bitcoin, which is a very long run because I, I think it doesn't run down until the middle of the next century. Um, but it's still at some point that all of the Bitcoins, you know, that it's designed to have a fixed number. So all of the Bitcoins get issued. And how do you pay miners? And yet you could have network fees. You could, you can hand wave that problem. And since it's a century away, uh, I'm okay with that, but you can't pretend that it's not an issue that needs to be solved. So you've got this, this really clever, uh, really ingenious application for how we might solve the challenges of, of money and money being sort of naturally debased uh, with a cryptocurrency. Uh, and from an ingenuism perspective, that's, that's a, a big insight. But then you would expect to see it, uh, people to take it and run with it, and as, a, as opposed to glomming onto it as, okay, we discovered the answer, like they, they were, Bitcoin was brought down from the heights on a stone tablet. And, and now it, it almost looks like a religion at that point, because the odds that you get the perfect solution the first time through are basically zero. And so uh, I look at Bitcoin as, as an incredible innovation and a really ingenious test case for how we might solve a particular set of problems. And the eventual application is likely to be nothing like what we originally uh, envisioned or even think today. Now, does that mean Bitcoin um, just falls by the wayside like you know, most technologies eventually do? Um, not necessarily, because you do have this, this network effect in, inherent in all money. And so if Bitcoin is being used and used regularly by a significant, you know, critical mass of people for whatever applications, you know, but it's likely to be the ones that most value the characteristics of Bitcoin, the predictability, the anonymity, uh, that then you could have it running forever. There's no reason Bitcoin won't have value in the future. Now, I always feel like 
I'm you know, just the ultimate contrarian when it comes to Bitcoin and crypto, because when I'm talking to someone who's an evangelist, I'm, I'm a total skeptic, almost hater, because it just it doesn't make any sense to me. But then on the other side, when people say, oh, Bitcoin, it's just a Ponzi scheme, it's a total fraud. I'm like, no, no, wait, <laughs> I'm actually, I, I think it's a really interesting idea and, and it could be really, really big, like it could change the world. And so depending on who I'm talking to, except for you, I think shares the same position, uh, I feel like uh, I'm either arguing for or against Bitcoin, depending on where the conversation has been anchored. And one of the things Bitcoin has done is it's opened up this whole world of tokens and coins and, and blockchains and crypto and, and to beyond to applications that go beyond uh, a money that will replace all monies, right? Bitcoin in, in the evangelist view is the money that replaces all money. It's that's the end game. That's the only end game. And, but there's a lot of, that is developed from that, that now is trying to do other things, you know, whether it's applications in FinTech or whether it's smart contracts or whether it's, I don't know, <laughs> but, but that's where it seems like the ingenuism piece is happening is kind of a little away from Bitcoin and maybe there are some people trying to figure out applications for Bitcoin as well that go beyond that. Well, crypto replacing money is a hard sell for me because the the global payment system is it's not perfect, but it's pretty incredibly good compared to uh, where it's been. There's not that much juice left to squeeze out of it. Uh, and you have... You know, the Bitcoin has a particular approach to how you solve the trust problem. You have other approaches. It's not clear which is best. Uh, and if you have, if you, if you can have perfect security, I'm not arguing that there are security flaws with Bitcoin. I'm not qualified to make that argument in either direction. But we know from experience that the weak point is not necessarily your the cryptography that is embedded in Bitcoin. You know, you and I joke that, you know, we, we knew Bitcoin had a chance to be something that people get really excited about, but it never made any sense for us to buy any Bitcoin because we would absolutely 100% for certain have lost our key at some point. And then we would have a hundred Bitcoins, but no access to them and it would ruin our lives. Uh, and, and so you have, you know, literally billions of dollars of crypto that gets stolen because there are security weak points and the existing financial system also has fraud and, and theft, but it's developed a, a very robust system for both predicting and preventing that and then dealing with it when it happens. Uh, and so it's not clear to me why, um, they, why anyone would be convinced that Bitcoin is gonna replace, I'll just say the dollar for lack of better, but really I mean fiat, generally government sponsored fiat currency. Um, well, it's more, I think, motivated by, we're seeing it now, inflation, right? We're seeing the, the mismanagement of the currency itself rather than with the, with the inefficiencies of the payment system. And then the desire for anonymity, which the existing payment system does not provide. Outside of cash, uh, which, of cash. which is, is attempted which to be a lot squeezed out. Yeah. A lot of governments are trying to squeeze out and part of the, the Fed's digital currency is an attempt to squeeze out cash completely. So 
Oh, there's definitely um, going to be a, a niche and maybe a very large niche that values anonymity. Um, just looking at social media, it seems like people are willing to give up most of their privacy in order to get stuff that they value, you know, for reasons that I don't even understand. So I'm, I'm just not convinced that it's that that's where the real opportunity is. And it's not that there isn't a possibility or, or that there won't be a niche that, uh, gravitates towards crypto or, or Bitcoin. Um, it's a, that that as the ultimate potential is just not very interesting. Uh, it, it's, I, I could be wrong, but it's not very interesting from my perspective. Uh, but there are other things, uh, and you've alluded to some of them, uh, where you can replace other pieces of, of economic activity, not the basic unit of account. Because look, I mean, Bitcoin, is supposed to be um, non-inflationary, but it's lost value much faster than the dollar over the last uh, six months. And anytime you have a, a wildly um, variable unit, it's not gonna be very attractive for people to use as a unit of account or for transacting in their everyday lives. Uh, but I, I don't, I could argue about that all the time, but what I think is more interesting is, you know, where, where could crypto be? Because right now we have all of these people who have been crypto skeptics or crypto haters that are now getting their moment in the sun and, and talking about how, oh yeah, you know, it's it's clearly just uh, hot air. It's a fraud. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's a, I told you so. And of course, Bitcoin's still trading at twenty thousand dollars a coin. So that that seems like a, a, a crazy uh, idea that you've been proven right when twenty thousand dollars for. A Bitcoin. Uh, but as we start seeing more and more people turning away from crypto, it'd be great if instead of turning away from uh, what's been going on, which there is a lot of froth and, and a lot of fraud that's been going on, to turn towards things that are more likely to really add value, to change how we organize. And uh, I'm being intentionally vague here because I don't pretend to have the yeah. answers to what this is going to look like. Uh, although I do have some ideas I'd be happy to talk about, but it's it would be really interesting if the focus started to, to shift from speculating on value to actually creating value. Yeah, I think one of the things that has made me a little bit less of a skeptic over the last few years is just the, the amount of what I still consider smart money that is invested in crypto, not in tokens that absurd valuations typically, but at business models and trying to figure out business models. So there's a lot of there's a lot of venture capital that is going into this and trying to figure it out. And, and I think that continues even with the drop in crypto. And that that kind of suggests that there's maybe something there. So yeah, let's let's since we're riffing, right? Let's uh, let's speculate. So so where do you see? Where could you see some uh, applications of crypto that would be interesting and might have real economic value in the future? Well, if you look at um, how the 21st century has really transformed big industries, a lot of it has been uh, a democratization of it. Uh, you've seen this in music, you've seen it in video, you've seen it in, um, in books where instead of a small group of you know, Hollywood producers or New York publishers, uh, a small group 
being the gatekeeper for content. You have just massive amount of content being connected to a massive number of consumers on these platforms. So we have you know, orders of magnitude more video being produced today than we did 10 years ago, which was order of magnitudes more than 10 years before that. Uh, and it's it's fairly easy to find. I mean, you may be listening to this on YouTube. Uh, it's it's a, been a complete transformation and it's a decentralization. And that's one thing that crypto has the potential to do. Um, and, and the two areas that haven't been decentralized in the same way where gatekeepers are still largely in control uh, is the world of fashion and the world of venture capital. And so I don't know anything about fashion. I'm probably the least fashionable person in, in, in the world. I can vote um, for that. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, the venture capital is a lot more interesting. It's much bigger. It's much more impactful um, in terms of the progress of the human race. And so nothing against fashion, I would be a lot more interested in what crypto could do vis-a-vis uh, -vis the venture capital. And I mean the traditional Silicon Valley startup model where entrepreneurs form small teams to, to work through an idea. They partner with VCs who provide the resources to continue to bring more people aboard to pay for whatever it takes to, to vet and grow that idea. And if it is working, provide more and more money on almost unlimited amount at this point. And if it's not working, uh, provide some discipline to shut the whole thing down. Um, this model is incredibly effective. It's created basically all of the leading companies, um, you know, whether they most of them were in Silicon Valley, but even if they weren't, they followed this model. So whether you're, it's your Cisco routers or your Amazon, your uh, Google, your Facebook, yeah. you know, even, even Tesla um, is an example of how you start with an idea, you get the right team together, and if you can get traction, this ecosystem really supports you in growing the team and acquiring more money, more resources, and, and really building something that will change the world. Uh, and it's incredibly expensive. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but this is basically um, a known fact that the the people who invest in venture funds are looking for high returns because they're investing in indirectly in startups. And that's a pretty risky proposition. And VCs are very, very expensive. They get very, very rich. Um, they, they're working now with companies all around the world. Uh, and so you have people looking for 30% returns, GPs uh, taking 30% of the returns, the, the VCs themselves. Uh, to run the fund and for their own profit share. You've got this very, very centralized, very, very expensive, very, very effective, mm -hmm. but very expensive. So you're, you're getting extremely high quality out of Silicon Valley and it's costing you a lot. So it's a pretty good deal, but there could be a better deal in the same sense that you know, a Barnes and Noble Superstore was a really good deal. You could go and you could find you know, tens of thousands of books that you would never be able to find otherwise. And that didn't mean that Amazon wasn't going to be a much better deal. And that's what I think crypto has the potential to be the foundation for is some revolution in how entrepreneurship actually happens. So how, do, how would that work? So let's go through, a, I've got a startup. I don't, you know, that it's going to do whatever. It's going to go into fashion business. And so <laughs> um, it, it, what could I do now that, you know, to skip over the venture capital? How do I get my capital? How do I structure the firm in, in this new world? 
Well, this is what we're going to have to figure out. And I'll, I'll throw out some ways that I think it could look, but the key is that we start trying these things and we see which ones really end up being effective. And I'm going to, I'm going to divert you from fashion. And I'll use a different example that I like because it's simple. Most people understand it. Most people know about it is let's imagine we wanted to build Airbnb uh, and Airbnb was founded, I think, 14 years ago. Uh, and it's it's changed the world. Uh, it's revolutionized how people share housing, you know, rooms and homes. Uh, it, it's changed how people travel. It's it's a big deal. And I think Airbnb is worth about $65 billion in, in the market right now. So we all can accept Airbnb is a big innovation. It, it's added a lot of value both to, you know, to the company itself, but also to the people who are using Airbnb, the people who are renting through Airbnb. There's a lot of winners in Airbnb. So let's uh, dial back to 2008 and imagine how this could have gone in a world with um, widely accepted cryptocurrency. Well, there are some regulatory issues that, that we can talk, to, talk about after if you want, but, but let's imagine that um, creating uh, an Airbnb and, and we're gonna call it the stay network. So it's places that you stay. Uh, and creating it is going to take a lot of resources because we know that from Airbnb, it's going to require an entrepreneurial team to come together and design and build a platform to match hosts and guests. This platform is, is going to have to have, you know, easy, painless listings. It's going to have to have uh, good, reliable feedback through reviews or ratings uh, that, that will build and maintain trust because that's a very important part of you know you're running out part of or all of your home um, it's going to need to have secure payments it's going to need to have um, a critical mass of hosts and guests because you know no one's going to list their their house there if there's no one who's renting it they're not going to bother and no one's going to go there to look for um, a Miami beach house if there are no Miami beach houses on there so you need that critical mass and you need to be able to navigate the the kind of exponential growth that happens early on in a network business model of this type. So there's a lot that needs to be done and VCs have evolved to, to specialize in helping entrepreneurs navigate those steps. Now the entrepreneurs still have to do it. Most of these efforts still fail. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a magic bullet, but it is a, a very effective support system. So we're gonna have to, to replicate that at least as effectively and at lower cost. And if you start to think about it, it, if you can issue a cryptocurrency, well, we could call it a stake coin, that is intended to be used on this platform. So you're going to need stake coins if you want to rent a Miami Beach house on the stay network, which today, you know, is, it seems like, oh, well, you could just do that on Airbnb. And I agree. Doing this right now would make no sense. But remember, we're back in 2008. So in 2008, you can't get a Miami Beach house easily. You know, you'd have to look through local papers. You'd have, so people are going to want stake coins if everything is working. Uh, and so you can issue these coins if there is a, a, enough people out there who would understand the idea, buy into the potential and be willing to risk some money today for the potential future value of being part of the stay network. Uh, and so it, it is in a sense crowdfunding where you offer up a project and if people get excited about it, they participate 
And that's a key element of both crowdfunding and this future that I'm envisioning is there has to be some screening. There has to be something that, that tells entrepreneurs who are excited about what is actually a bad idea, that tells them no. Yeah. And so we start out by offering up these coins. So, you know, it's 2008. Uh, would you be interested in buying 10,000 stake coins for $10,000, knowing that they will have no value unless this effort gets off the ground? Comes, yeah, it becomes a, and it gets an advantage of a network effect. So, exactly. do you think? Do you think there's enough people with enough vision or enough risk appetite or whatever to, to do this? I mean, part of what why venture capital is expensive is because there's a certain skill involved, at least we believe there's a skill involved in being able to say yes to some things and no to other things. Is that skill widely, is it common so that it can be democratized? I think at the individual level, it is rare. But when you start aggregating, uh, sometimes people call it the wisdom of crowds, it actually becomes pretty effective. Uh, and if we look at crowdfunding, which has been around since basically 2008, uh, you see a lot of projects being funded and, and then being produced. Uh, and you see a lot of projects, even more projects not getting to their funding goals. So you do things like you set some minimum. So it's, you're not the only one who buys 10,000 state coins. Uh, you only have to buy them if, if the total is at least 10 million. And we do see a lot of interest um, in crowdfunding. Now, a drop in the bucket compared to venture capital. And that's where the second part of, of crypto becomes important because if you are participating in traditional crowdfunding, you're basically the best you can get is a stay you know, a week in a Miami beach house if you're $10,000 that you invested. And the worst is you don't get anything. Yep. So it ends up being a pretty un unattractive deal. Very limited upside for you. Yep. You have limited upside and you could lose everything. And that's essentially what all crowdfunding is offering. Uh, but with coins and particularly what people would recognize today as opposed to maybe not in 2008, well, almost certainly not in 2008, is the upside if something becomes popular. So seeing Bitcoin's meteoric rise um, is a test case for if something has steadily increasing use and people are getting more and more excited about it over time, can its price go up a lot? And the answer is clearly yes. So when you buy stake coins, you're, you're thinking, well, I can get a, a beach house is a, an outcome that would be a good outcome but i could also end up owning a coin that appreciates dramatically in value because this particular effort ends up taking over the world and you if you envision the potential for airbnb like the founders did like the early vcs did like the early employees did not everyone would see it a lot of people would have looked at it and said what we're going to let people into our homes nobody's going to do that or we're going to let strangers like, that's impossible, but they saw it. So you end up with an, if you, if you get over that hump, then you could end up with a lot of money because of the upside, the lottery ticket element to um, buying the initial coins in addition to the utility of those coins if the network gets built. If you can't get over that initial hump, then no, it never goes. But that's exactly the screening that you want. And since you're putting this out to basically the world, 
you're able to very quickly glean whether there's a niche that gets excited about it. And that's actually potentially going to be more effective than venture capital because you're going straight to the source of demand and essentially polling them. Is this interesting to you? Yep. And do you, do you, do you think these coins would also give you um, a governance stake? So in a sense, are these coins a form of equity? So that's that's where the regulatory stuff gets in. Yeah. But let's let's put that aside. And the short answer is yes. With, with these kind of coins, you end up with um, a, a predisposed. You basically do it like Bitcoin, where there are ways that the the uh, coin ecosystem works that are defined in advance. So it could be the number of coins, it could be adapting to any um, changes or, or adopting changes or making decisions in the future. And so you would you would likely be designing it with control rights as well as economic rights. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that that opens the door for having like dual classes of coins where you have equity coins and you have transaction coins or where you have control coins, you have economic coins. I mean, there's a lot of experimentation that could go on in this because you want to create the right incentives because the, the other thing that uh, the Silicon Valley structure does is it, it pre-contracts how the value that gets created gets divided up. Um, if you just started working together and the people have done this, you start working on a project and it starts going somewhere and then you start trying to negotiate how you're going to split things up, it gets messy really fast because there's, there's a lot at stake versus if you do it in advance, then it's very clean. Um, and so these coins would, would uh, serve the purpose of not only getting resources to start the project, but also determining how eventually the value of the project is, is going to be allocated. So you're creating something that you can both trade with other people, trade for service, um, or just trade for cash. So it's, it's, it's something that now allows you to, to do a lot more than if you have stock. Yes, although you know, stock is used yep. like cash in certain cases. I mean, most technology companies pay their employees a cash salary and a, an equity piece on an ongoing basis. So the, the distinction there is a little fuzzy, but yes, the idea is you have a lot of flexibility in terms of how you would design the ecosystem. And you could have you know, different classes of coins that are convertible into each other at, at market rates or at fixed rates. You could have coins that go to hosts because one of the things you need is get hosts. That critical mass of, of hosts is a lot harder to get than guests. I mean, there are a lot of people who would like to go spend a week on the beach in Miami. Uh, there are not as many people who are willing to put up their house uh, and let strangers into their house, especially early on before you've built up the trust. Uh, and so you could have you could have rewards for becoming hosts, particularly hosts with successful properties or multiple. You know, there's a lot of experimentation that go into figuring out how do you very quickly screen for projects, finance the initial project, get to critical mass, and find out whether this is something that is is legit, that it really can grow in the way that Airbnb has. And then once you get to that point, it, it becomes fairly easy because, I mean, it's not easy at all, but it's fairly easy because 
you are, it's much easier than getting to that point because you are now um, endowed with a, a pool of coins that are appreciating in value as the network actually takes off. And so you have naturally more resources in the same way that a successful company can easily hire employees and give them stock. You can easily enroll developers and, and allocate them coins. You could easily sell additional coins just like companies can sell additional stock. It, it does end up looking a lot like stock because it's a speculative investment in a eventually a valuable enterprise. Uh, and that's where a lot of this starts to break down is, is anything that looks like stock is, is very heavily regulated. And I don't have, I have a knee jerk reaction against regulation. I'll, I'll definitely admit that, but I don't have any sense that the optimal amount of regulation is zero in these markets. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways that regulation could happen. Um, instead of having uh, the SEC handling it, you could have a, an industry group handling it. Uh, you could have, um, instead of VCs providing um, you know, all the capital, VCs could provide a, a certain amount of capital along with risking their reputation. Uh, you could do it in a bonded insurance way where you know, a significant amount of the initial uh, money is used to buy a bond that basically says, these particular coins um, that, this, that, that are supposed to be used on the network, if the network doesn't get built, then the insurance company will pay you back half of your money. Yep. Uh, and then of course the insurance company would have a, a huge incentive to make sure that this wasn't a, a total scam um, and that there was a legit path to success. There are lots of different ways. And that's like three off the top of my head. Yeah, and that's the thing people I think always forget is, is that the private markets are very good when left alone in solving these kind of problems. And again, they solve them in ways that we can't even imagine because ingenuity goes into, uh, you know, trying to figure this out and a lot of really smart minds and, and a lot of uh, trial and error goes into figuring out how to, how to deal with the problems that regulators are trying to solve and that get politicized, get one size fit all and get all the challenges that you have when you centralize these things. So then you have, you know, an Airbnb that is the state network where people are able to connect and, and become hosts and become guests and compensate each other. Uh, and there's no actual Airbnb. So it's all being done on this autonomous platform. So there's no cost of having the, I, I mean, Airbnb is not that expensive. It, it probably sucks up 15 to 20% of the eventual value of the, um, the transaction, but you can, you can eliminate that, or you can cut it down to, to one or 2%. Uh, and that's, that's super interesting. Um, in 2008, it's probably not worth doing this in 2022, but you could do this for any project. Uh, the Airbnb is nice because it's, it's super clean. Uh, they basically do one thing, and while they're trying to do other things, they do one thing, they do it really well, it has a really obvious value. Uh, but you could do this for Uber, you could do this for basically any platform that you were designing. And that then when you start thinking about it that way, then what is really interesting is the idea of designing a super platform, uh, a platform that does everything. And of course, that's exactly what Google and Apple and Microsoft and Facebook and Amazon are all trying to do is they're trying to put a really useful, uh, valuable AI in your uh, phone that will link you inevitably to that, indelibly to that, that uh, company. 
because it's so valuable. Well, what if this were, were done through a, uh, spontaneous isn't the right word, but uh, distributed, uh, democratized network? If it were open source code, what if it were um, financed by, by a generic coin? We could call it Bitcoin. Uh, where Bitcoin was then the, the transaction uh, medium for this particular network. And it replaced all platforms um, because all you'd be doing is asking the bit uh, AI, say, look, can you find me tickets to the Celtics game? Or I'd like a beach house in Maui, or I need a ride to the airport, or I needed this uh, delivery of this item, or I need to find um, applicants for this kind of job. And because these would all be connected, and you really have to stretch your mind because it's hard to envision, but you envision it if you had a, a super smart Siri or Alexa that was connected to all the others that basically resided in, in 4 billion phones, what could you do that you can't do today? Well, it would include, hey, I've got this idea. I need these four different types of people who are interested in spending 20 hours on it. And we're going to issue, you know, a, a set of coins on top of the Bitcoin network that really start the effort. And you could draw from all over the world. It, it's, it's the uh, stay example is, is like the tip of the iceberg of what is possible. And it's all the foundation would all have to be some economic system like cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin. All right. I have a feeling we're going to keep coming back to this issue because uh, to, to the whole issue of crypto, partially because it's a, it's an interesting market and partially because it's a, it's this evolving technology uh, that is going to be at the forefront. But uh, that's a good intro. So thanks, Robert. Good to see you. Thanks, Yaron. It's great talking to you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.